Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of Slam Hammer, Australian Warhammer 40k and Kill Team Podcast. My name is Will of Crossfade Studios and I'll be your host. Thank you to everybody at the outset for listening to the podcast over recent weeks and particularly to Episode 4, which was on 40k 9th edition, the preview, and uh, the Defense of Chaos Cultists. Uh, that was a really, really enjoyable podcast to produce and uh, I'm absolutely stoked to see that's being met um, with enthusiasm on the part of our listeners. So thank you so much for that, and uh, I look very forward to hearing continued feedback on uh, what everybody thought um, about that particular episode. And in particular, it was uh, very, very um, closely followed on Spotify, uh, but for episode 5 which touched on Necromunda and Tabletop Simulator, um, Apple Podcasts actually exceeded uh, Spotify to a significant degree. So <laughs> to all those who uh, listen to us on Spotify, to make sure to uh, get cracking and listen to some of those past episodes. Now that uh, COVID restrictions are starting to lift in Australia, we're taking a direction um, towards content that fits squarely into the tabletop. Um, because we're starting to see some restrictions lifting in Australia and elsewhere. Um, it's still early days with all these restrictions uh, coming off, and you know, in light of all these recent protests, it's not unlikely that there could be reason for restrictions to be maintained in a way that makes tabletop, day, tabletop gaming hard to come back to. Um, however, you know, we'll wait and see and you know this this podcast will follow the general mood um, of uh, the wider gaming community so right now uh, I'm very excited to bring uh, some more focus on tabletop and in particular some more content around 40k 9th edition so before we uh, jump in I just wanted to take some time to um, reiterate that if you do want to get in touch with the podcast you can do that in a variety of ways uh, there is a Instagram channel called Crossblade Studios where you can reach us there and follow what we're doing. Uh, you can send us an email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com and that's always a great way to get in touch. And uh, there is also the voice messaging link on the anchor.fm profile where you can shoot in your thoughts and uh, get featured on the podcast. So do make sure you use those avenues and also as promised in the previous episode uh, there is a Slamhammer 40k Facebook page. Um, the purpose of that page is to just keep you all updated on how the podcast is developing and in particular if there will be any delays. Uh, I'm going into a particularly busy period with work at the moment so it's really important to keep everybody updated um, on uh, how episodes are coming along particularly if uh, there's going to be any delays there. So jump on Slamhammer Australian Warhammer 40k and Kill Team podcast on Facebook. Drop us a like and say hi. Uh, follow us there to keep across other developments and also just make sure that's being used as another avenue for engagement, input and feedback. As I was saying just before, this episode is uh, one focused on the updates to the game coming into 9th ed uh, and in particular a bit of a showcase on the box set preview which was held uh, last night on Saturday 13th of June through Twitch. Um, prior to this we'd seen little bits and bobs here and there and uh, this was completely incredible um, as a preview. Um, still a lot of talking <laughs> on the part of Adam and Eddie um, but in terms of the pure content coming out of that preview that was uh, absolutely exceptional and now we're seeing more of the um, Primaris HQ choices and the Eradicators and as well as their counterparts in the Necron faction. It's just really exciting uh, to see all that coming through now and particularly looking beyond the 9th Ed box to the models that are forthcoming. So we'll talk about all that in the first segment, which is Warhammer 40k 9th edition. So we'll jump to that now. Welcome back to episode 6, season 1 of Slamhammer. In this very first part of episode 6, we're going to be talking about some of the rules developments uh, for 9th edition that have come out in the past week. And that's why this episode is a little bit later than what it would normally be. 
um, the episodes that were first coming out were you know landing around about a Tuesday but given that so many of these updates are landing on Saturdays in Australia at 11 p.m. it made more sense to hold on to uh, the episode um, until I'd had a chance to have a look at uh, all the 9th ed rules that were coming out in a little bit more detail and also to see the uh, new 9th edition box set previews in detail too because it was going to be very piecemeal in any other way. Um, 9th ed of course is very much the flavour of the month um, the other developments in the past week, of course, being War of the Spider, an engine war for Psychic Awakening. Um, Admech are absolutely benefiting now from some absolutely incredible additions to their line, um, such as uh, the Taraxii and the Severus Sulphur Hounds. And uh, it is my estimation that the uh, Taraxii might actually come to the second edition of Kill Team. My fingers are very much crossed for that because I think that uh, given that there are things like the uh, Space Marine suppressors in Kill Team, it makes sense for Admech to have something which is a little bit more of a fast mover. Um, and even if it's not the most brutal um, unit in hand-to-hand -hand combat, like being able to float around and put some hurt uh, on some units uh, would be a really handy way to give Admech some more flexibility. Um, do you agree with that view? Do you think Taraxii are never going to hit Kill Team. <laughs> um, there are a lot of ways in which Kill Team can be further supplemented, either in way of additions to the first edition or through second edition. Um, wherever ninth edition goes, Kill Team is going to reflect that in the future through changes in those rules and all things, you know, sort of cover and line of sight will hopefully be reflected in Kill Team next iteration because it's going to be very much that shorter um, more compact version of uh, Warhammer 40k and it'll be nice to see all these units coming in where possible as supplementations and I, I, th I think there's a good chance of that um, meanwhile and perhaps a little odd aesthetically um, is Fabius Bile or Fabulous Bill depending on your preference um, I thought the design choice for Fabulous Bill was a little bit interesting um, solely because of his head and how he's kind of all pushed together in his collar. It's very unusual indeed. Um, <laughs> but, you know, all those things aside, um, Fabulous Bill has been a really important sort of anti-hero character for the Chaos Space Marines for a long time. Uh, and I do think it's great to see him come out and actually have a good profile and have a little bit more character to him um, particularly as like the Mad Doctor kind of um, figure in the 40k universe who even has his own eagle <laughs> um, he brings a decent profile with him to the tabletop I think, nothing too fearsome but certainly pretty good uh, and the randomised buffing abilities for um, models, strength toughness and attacks uh, is, uh, is of course very welcome particularly because as I've mentioned previously, uh, the Chaos Space Marines, while they've had a bit of an aesthetic overhaul, they've kind of languished for a bit as a understrength faction, I think. Um, and I do think that Fabulous Bill goes a really great way towards bringing them somewhat into line with uh, the Primaris Marines, who are just far and away <laughs> growing and evolving in terms of their own power and ability. So. Um, I do like the idea that Fabulous Bill, or Fabulous, <laughs> Fabius Bile, is able to enhance those guides a little bit, just to give them a little bit more punch um, in return. Um, and even if you don't collect Emperor's Children specifically, uh, or have a huge role for him, I think every buff that Chaos can get at the moment is really important, simply because there's now this growing chasm between uh, the Chaos Space Marines and Primaris in terms of ability and I think that yeah, he does a great role in bringing that um, chasm you know, a little bit closer narrowing it a little bit um, those buffing abilities notwithstanding my question to listeners is would a Chaos Primaris equivalent still be better? I've suggested previously in this podcast that Chaos have really lost their way um, Fabulous Bill might do a little bit towards bringing them back towards an equal footing, but 
um, making them suitably imposing and as a real threat to um, Primaris um, would go a great way towards addressing this negative perception, at least that I've formed in my own mind, about Chaos Space Marines. Um, and I think now that a relatively new model range in Primaris is being completely reimagined into this Crusader-type aesthetic, it makes sense that in the future, when um, Chaos finally finds its way back to the limelight, um, they might take <coughs> their current, you know, dark, evil-looking um, character and then maybe step that up a notch and a half. Uh, I think that if the Chaos aren't really going somewhere towards a kind of doom uh, aesthetic uh, in really pushing the demonic side of what they do and really borrowing ideas from popular culture a little bit more than what they are. Um, they're just not going to live up to the nefarious character they've been given. And I really think they do need that and do deserve that because people want to be fielding chaos, presumably because they are the bad guys. And if the bad guys don't have much going for them, then why would you bother? Um, they're, they're too important to the storyline to be left as you know, small characters that don't really do much and you know, as I've mentioned previously, a bit of a running joke. So hopefully they do come back bigger and better than ever once the Necron threat has been addressed in some way or at least explored in some way. So, you know, we, we can consider what a Primarisified, inverted commas, Chaos Marine would look like. And to me, you know, when I think about a Primarisified Space Marine, um, sorry, Chaos Space Marine, I think of a Chaos Warpsmith. Um, the Chaos Warpsmith was one of my favourite characters for a long, long time, um, mostly because of the way they are kind of like the Dark Mechanicum's influence into what is otherwise a faction very much focused on demonic possession and stuff like that, whereas uh, the Warpsmith kind of keeps that a little bit more in line, kind of like a Doctor Octopus <laughs> kind of situation with all the tendrils and stuff going on. Um, you haven't seen much of Iron Warriors in the past few years, and um, you have this very generic Black Legion look going on, which I think is a little bit unfortunate. And it'd be good to see them come back, you know, kind of led by this really powerful-looking um, Warpsmith kind of character or something like that. And now there's a Iron Father Feros and Torgaradon character with these heavier set gravest frames with all kinds of modifications to the very basic armor set. It does make sense that the Warpsmith could come out of that because, you know, the um, Iron Father Feros has mech tendrils and they have all these different weapons mounted on their armor and they have variations on the theme to either have, you know, enhanced hoods or a larger power fist, for example, or in the case of Feros, he's absolutely gigantic power axe, so it, it is more than doable for the uh, Warpsmith to come back bigger and badder than ever, and I'd very much look forward to that, because the Archlord Discordant, which Chaos has right now, like, that's cool, don't get me wrong, but it's not very Iron Warriors-ish at all, um, and something for Chaos, and let's relate this back to Kill Team, of course, because the... Uh, the Archlord Discordant is never going to make it into Kill Team, but a Warpsmith might. Um, something like a Warpsmith that could come into Kill Team um, without a mount, as amazing again as the mount is, that looks like the love child of Shelob and Transformers Starscream, would actually give more breadth to Chaos in Kill Team as well, who are kind of a, yeah, they're alright faction, they're a bit of a mid-range faction, I guess. So. I would like a um, stronger, more intimidating, and more flexible uh, Chaos HQ uh, in Kill Team. And I think a Warpsmith could really, you know, bring the pain to Kill Team and really underpin a resurgence of uh, Warhammer 40k squatting Slavs with a penchant for Hazard Stripes, the Iron Warriors. Um, they have been just so neglected over the past few years, and it really makes me sad that we haven't seen much of them, um, aside from, you know, the covers of a few Horus Heresy novels where, you know, you've got a few Iron Warriors getting punched in the face. <laughs> um, bring back the Basilisk. 
is all I can say for them right now. Uh, and templates, you know, well, we're not going to delve into that again, I think. Um, speaking of templates, which clearly aren't coming back at the moment, although a man can dream, um, Games Workshop has also clarified how blast weapons will work against hordes and how blast weapons work for vehicles in engagement range. So those who have had the benefit of mass grenade launchers in the past, uh, or even something like a cyclone missile launcher, listen closely because we're going to explore those rules in a bit more detail right now. And we're going to jump right to that right after this. So, um, for all those who love pounding hordes with a crap load of DACA, we're back and we're talking about blast weapons in the 9th edition of 40k. And these new updates are of course right up your alley. Games Workshop has indicated that blast weapons including grenades will work differently against hordes based on their respective number. Against hordes of 1 to 5 models, these weapons remain random. So, against a unit, uh, like Scorpic destroyers, they can still get walloped with grenade launchers and just laugh them off. Um, maybe they'll get wiped, who knows? You probably won't, especially not with these new guys, but fingers crossed, you know, you can um, smash them a little bit uh, because the, <laughs> if you, all you got is a grenade launcher, you're going to need as many shots as you can. Against units of 6 to 10 models, blast weapons will now fire the number of shots provided on their profile, and that number is always three or more so you're still rolling uh, the d6 and um, if you are supposed to um, roll for a number of hits which is uh, say uh, say one and you have a shot of 10 then you'll always get at least three uh, and that's really good um, if you're, again, something like a grenade launcher heavy unit, um, which will really need to pile on as many hits as they can. And to really get a minimum is useful because uh, I feel like if you're relying on low strength weapons that use blasts um, and you're facing off against a horde, having at least a minimum surety of what you're going to be able to pile on in terms of damage is really useful. And against units of 11 or more models, the ones that we probably cla uh, properly classify as hordes, um, these type of weapons will always fire the maximum number of shots on their profile. So, uh, for example, if they're uh, D6, then they'll fire six shots against 11 or more models. So um, it's really, really good to see that against you know small hordes, you're getting at least three shots off against them at any one time and you're not going to get screwed over with the nefarious one and uh, against large units which you've, you know, really should be piling the hurt onto you're getting the maximum number of shots so um, for those who rely on the lower strength blast weaponry and even grenades if it really comes to it such as Astra Militarum special weapons teams um, you guys just got really bloody scary because you can pile on hurt pretty cheaply and I know that's been uh, a terribly concerning part of the game when you're trying your hardest to throw all the firepower you can at things like model, um, models in cover and they just you know, either shrug off everything or you're not even getting enough shots to really concern them and you're just getting mashed um, on the board so um, if you are going to be looking at taking something like your Astra Militarum special weapons teams or your Scions or something like that like pile on the grenade launchers and this is the same for something like Chaos Cultists that we've spoken about previously who also get things like grenade launchers like these are now incredibly cheap ways to pile on fire support um, so do look at these in more detail once 9th edition hits because these will make a great um, deal of difference to dealing with larger units which really rely on you not being able to pile on hurt to begin with because it's really their only way um, of closing the distance where cover has perhaps not been their best friend um, in the past. So meanwhile vehicles that fire you know these ordnance weapons um, aren't able to use those weapons in melee range or engagement range 
um, but they may fire other heavy weapons such as your spons and heavy bolters and so on and they're subject to a minus one modifier to their hit roll. Um, Non-defensive weapons such as pinto mounted storm bolters and blast guns presumably they'll be able to be fired as normal so it's good to see um, but of course you're not able to fire your ordnance weapons so your really big guns. The justification of course being that they have either a minimum safe distance such as you'd expect in the case of something like a death strike missile um, or they can't be aimed in such a way that they can hit units in close combat anyway and for those we expect those are things like whirlwind batteries, basilisks or battle cannons and that kind of makes sense when you think about it. Um, this is obviously very exciting in terms of developments for mechanized and elite formations um, who are going to be relying a lot uh, on piling on hurt against hordes because they need to make up for uh, smaller numbers and of course these are very very much subject to the new terrain rules which are almost definitely going to um, give the opposite effect of playing to a melee or horde army's advantage. Um, those new rules are effectively breaking down cover into obscuring light and hard cover. So obscuring, blocking line of sight, um, assuming you can agree <laughs> on what is obscuring cover, um, then you can use that to protect your units entirely from being shot at. And it's really good to see that Games Workshop has had to think about um, how engagement across what are relatively sparse or open um, pieces of cover can perhaps result in un unjust kind of outcomes for people who are genuinely um, standing behind cover, I would say. I think this is actually a really good move, um, particularly because all things regarding cover and line of sight were actually my biggest gripes with um, Warhammer 40k proper when I first came back to see what it was about and saw tabletop tactics you know, playing a few games on YouTube. So if this does go some way towards addressing those problems, then I think a few of those grievances that particularly kept me out of the game can perhaps be reversed, and there's perhaps more reason to get involved. Um, the next uh, sort of issue, of course, being light and heavy cover. Light cover being protection against shooting, and heavy cover being protection against melee, um, conferring bonuses on... Uh, a unit's armor save um, when they're in melee in the round that they're charged and of course not applying to the charging unit so being able to interact with terrain in a way which makes more sense um, and taking advantage of also the new descriptors in the ninth edition rulebook which will hopefully give you a variation of terrain which can be used in different ways I hope gives a lot more variation and depth to gameplay than what it had previously because as I was saying the um, dumbing down some of the rules was something which really frustrated me and kept me out of 40k proper and um, once I get a proper chance to read all these rules and see how they apply in-game it'll be really good to see um, a some applied learnings um, of all this on the tabletop and then um, in time maybe be enough to uh, get more involved in the um, proper tabletop format Finally, uh, flyer rules. Um, they have adjusted these flyer rules so they can come in from reserve um, from any table edge and be used genuinely as flyers. I think it makes a lot of sense um, for um, flyers to be used um, in a far better way now, um, which represents their nature um, and you know um, allows for them to move and interact with their environments as flyers should. So that's all a really big positive too. Well, and what will this mean for Kill Team? Because fundamentally what I'm currently playing is Kill Team. The answer is, at the moment at least, very little. Um, short of any dramatic changes to Kill Team um, in a second format or second edition. Um, save for the notion that Kill Team is something of an introductory format to Warhammer 40k and will probably reflect that rule set. Um, hordes and blast weapons changes are unlikely to make much difference to kill team um, you know again outside of some wholesale change because individual models are activated severally rather than as a joint unit so it doesn't quite make sense um, for them to operate the way they do in the larger tabletop game because they aren't a unit 
um, when they're in a group for the relevant purposes. Um, however, they do group together, so you can use maybe that two-inch rule um, for um, firing on multiple units at once and maybe see if that can be extrapolated out from the current rule set. Um, and large vehicles, flyers, all those sorts of things, they're not in the game, very likely to never be in the game, so they're not quite relevant. Um, so it remains you know, pretty safe to say that uh, blast weapons will remain randomised from a hit perspective. Um, and because the game focuses so much on manoeuvring and outflanking and outthinking from a um, skirmish perspective, the new terrain rules, I think, will find a really good place in Kill Team. Um, particularly because in a, in a lot of games you do a lot of dancing around um, scenery to try and get an advantage on one another and I feel like some of the ways in which um, terrain now benefits models from a protection from shooting and from melee perspective can actually find a really good home there particularly for um, factions which typically have a lower armor saver standard so things like gene stealer cults and tyranids and again astra militarum chaos cultists those types um, and if this can confer an advantage on them to maybe uh, give them some sort of advantage, particularly in games of close quarters, um, which can be either hugely in their favour or just a complete mess for them. Um, I feel like this could go a long way to um, really steadying the ship and giving everybody a bit more of a, a fair crack <laughs> at staying on the field and maybe not getting wiped so horrendously. Um, but of course we will wait and see uh, as to uh, whether or not Games Workshop creates a a second edition of Kill Team uh, in the very near future. That was what I wanted to focus on from a new rules perspective. There will of course be a lot more to delve into once the rulebook for 9th edition is actually out. Um, what I did want to focus on now and for the remainder of this podcast was just some reflections on the new models that were previewed on Saturday the 13th of June uh, for 9th edition. So I'll take a quick break and we'll come back and I'll chat about some of those. Hello and welcome back to part three of episode six of Slamhammer. Uh, in this part of this episode, I want to focus on the uh, preview of the rest of the ninth edition box set uh, on the 13th of June on the Warhammer TV community channel on Twitch. And can I just say, it was absolutely mind-blowing as a reveal. And um, to see so much um, come out of that one preview um, that wasn't just quick flickers here and there was actually a far better editing choice on the part of Games Workshop as well. Um, it was really refreshing to see full models um, and the stuff that was coming up um, beyond the box set. Uh, and I'll have a chat about some of those models later, but just far better than just seeing the little tiny glimpse of the Silent King um, previously. Um, this was a far better episode. Um, there was a lot of chat from Adam and Eddie, um, but it was also really good to actually hear from the designers, and in particular Jez Goodwin. I mean, he's, he's really the father of Space Marines. So to hear straight from the source, the source underline, um, was a really great inclusion, I thought really enhanced that episode. Um, so the first thing which I thought I would touch on is the um, new Primaris models, which were revealed in the uh, preview, you know, after you know we have the, the nice little animated videos, which were, again, vastly better than the mere animated art. It's good to see them putting in the effort not everything has to be those high quality videos but it's good to see that effort continues and speaking of effort the amount of focus and love and effort that has gone into the primaris captain was absolutely outstanding i mean i had a look at this and was pretty much blown away i think anybody who uh who saw this with the multiple helmet options and the relic shield um couldn't help but be impressed really um it's it's good to see a unit with the raised visor on the helmet because when you think about some of the other ways in which 
the helmets have been portrayed in 40k and I'm thinking about the 500th store Primaris Lieutenant who's holding the top of his helmet um, off to an angle I think this is a far better portrayal than that unit um, far and away better portrayal um, particularly because it ties in nicely with the old knight aesthetic um, but it also just makes more sense to me for that helmet to not separate quite the way it did on that 500th store Lieutenant um, so when we have a look at this model, it's just all fantastically Baroque. And you've got things like the Mastercrafted Power Sword as well, um, and the Iron Halo, which just ooze character and detail. And you just think, well, you know, this guy's going to be an absolute monstrosity um, on the field. And the fact that you get options, at least for helmets or heads, is really pleasing to see as well. Um, I, I was really disappointed with the fact that the first edition... edition Primaris captain was so restrained in what he could do with them and that was the same for all the Primaris characters really to be actually be given helmet options is really pleasing um, even if there aren't a swathe of weapon options I think if anything uh, further iterations should incorporate more weapons because you know it's great to see an updated aesthetic in terms of how the model presents but at the same time I really don't want the entirety of the Space Marine faction to kind of be limited to swords or variations, very slight variations upon swords. So to see things like maces and axes and other things like that, um, or, or even just interchangeable parts, um, would be great to see. I know these are going to be push-fit models and uh, relatively monopose, but it is at least pleasing to see that they're being made in a sufficiently modular way that you can use these models with other parts relatively easily. That is good, but it is only good as long as Games Workshop is producing the right kind of parts to go with them. So not just another power sword that's held in a, you know, sort of bent arm in a very, you know, kind of, eh, <laughs> sort of very boring posing. Like, I feel like we can get these kind of models, push their dynamism a bit further, and then relive the golden age of um, 40k characters which doesn't rely on uh, overbearing amounts of decoration because you're giving models character through the way they present uh, through stature and through imposition rather than just you know throwing buttloads of purity seals or um, ornate decorations on them like the more that you give the player the capacity to design their own individual characters that have their own individual character the better off each of these individual models is going to be because you'll be able to see all these variations and what the 40k universe is celebrated in a more diverse way i think that's a really good step primaris lieutenant the one which has the neo volkite pistol i've already talked about um, but suffice to say like this guy even as a lieutenant is completely beastly um, the fact that he's carrying a storm shield, a power sword, and a neo volkite pistol, and has an iron halo, is pretty monstrous. Um, I do wonder if the iron halo is merely decorative, but I assume not. <laughs> um, again, it would be really good to see uh, variations in things like the lieutenants for posing. Um, it is good to see that um, this model has been given um, a little bit more life and a little bit more character as compared to previous lieutenants which were fine but not quite this gothic and baroque type of character and i think this is probably you know a really great first step to seeing some really good models um, come out of the 40k range however <laughs> what it does kind of remind me of now is a is a need to uh build my tech marine which i was going to put into 40k with a combi volkite uh, I'll now need to think about how I might do that, given that there's this um, neo Volkite pistol, which looks like it might be a fantastic addition to that. Uh, it might make that whole conversion process um, for a tech marine with a combi bolt rifle with a Volkite a lot easier. But I'll have a think about that, and if it does come to another episode, I'll be sure to share my thoughts. Primaris Chaplain. Primaris Chaplain is absolutely beautiful. What can I say? Um, Primaris Chaplain was a model, at least in the first iteration of Primaris Marines, that was okay. This one kind of takes 
that Gothic and Baroque nature of the Primaris Marines and just pushes it right to the extreme. And it's fantastic to see what they've done with it, particularly because the half bionic face and raised crozius does sort of link back to one of the very old prime, um, sorry, Space Marine chaplains, which was um, very much the similar design in that he was holding uh, the crozius in the right arm, had a half bionic head, uh, had the same kind of, um, no, of course it was more basic back then, but some of the more um, Baroque um, details on his armour. And this is just kind of like a link back or paying homage to that, but then just taking that into the Primaris sphere and giving it justice. Um, whoever designed this model has done an absolutely exceptional job. If anybody has one of these once 9th edition comes out and might be prepared to sell it to me, please do. <laughs> um, out of the entire box set, this is the one model I want. Um, I, I'm just completely besmirched with it. Like, oh, I need it. <laughs> I absolutely do need it. So um, I'll be keeping a very keen eye out for anywhere I can get one of these boys because he's just absolutely gorgeous as a model um, and deserves um, to find a place in my Death Watch. The Judiciar. Um, I, I had originally called this guy the Judicar because nobody at Even Games Workshop knew how to pronounce the name. <laughs> um, I've spoken about the Judicar in... Uh, episode 4, um, and the uh, homages which this design pays to samurais in Japan. Um, so if you want to go to that discussion in Episode 4, I do talk about this model more there. Um, it was really good to see um, some explanation around the esoteric war gear that this guy has, um, called the Tempera Mortis. So, of course, it makes sense. This uh, alters the way he behaves in combat, presumably to always strike first. The description on the uh, Games Workshop slash Warhammer community website basically says it all. Like, this guy's basically going to be striking first no matter what happens and hopefully piling on the hurt. Um, and the Executioner Blade is presumably going to be something which is a high damage weapon so that he can effectively be something of a headsman. Um, while I didn't necessarily buy uh, the Executioner element of um, what the Judiciar is as a variation on the um, um, reclusiarchy um, within a space marine chapter I thought it was an interesting idea to explore in more detail so I, I don't buy where, where they've taken this model and I don't think this one is perfect that said it is very cool and I think some people will do great things with it so if you want to hear my discussion on it go to episode 4 otherwise keep an eye out for what other people are going to do with it because I think this guy will be immensely characterful in making some incredible conversions and I I'm absolutely looking forward to those, without a doubt. Um, Blade Guard Veterans, again, one that I spoke about in uh, Episode 4, um, looking very gothic and baroque and very powerful. I don't think these guys will come to Kill Team. They're just so powerful, um, as is, and they look like they would absolutely kick ass. Um, Storm Shields and Mastercrafted Power Swords on units that aren't even HQs. Probably not going to get to Kill Team. Um, that's just my thoughts on that particular topic. <laughs> And the same probably goes for the Blade Guard Ancient. Um, when I looked at the Blade Guard Ancient, I saw a lot of the Sisters of Battle uh, kind of aesthetic in that model, um, with the robe sort of draped over the shoulders and all that sort of thing. He kind of looked like he fit very much um, into the Sisters of Battle line, <laughs> rather than the Primary Space Marine one. Um, but I must say, as a really gothic piece of art, I think it was absolutely fantastic and I've said it a few different ways and in a few different places but that set of keys or whatever he has in his left hand I really hope that he belts people with it like he doesn't look like he's armed in any other way so obviously his um, best strategy when he confronts an opposing model is just to slap him with the backhand and uh, if that's the idea for him well that's just absolutely outstanding um, the one set of models which I actually didn't like um, from the preview was the Eradicators. Um, now I'm getting a proper look at them. I just think that they're a bit stocky and weird. Um, I don't really understand what they're doing with the uh, melter rifles. I, I understand the idea. I understand the purpose. Um, and it sounds like both their aesthetic and purpose kind of corresponds with what, with what I was thinking, like that um, drop in, blast something, get out 
kind of idea. Um, and they do look like they're heavy. They do look like they're there to do damage, but I'm just not sure the aesthetic really tickles me the right way. There's, there's just something that's not right about it. And I think it's just a lack of bulk in the midsection. There seems to be something missing. I mean, if you guys disagree, if you guys love them, then please feel free to explain why. Um, you know, feel free to drop me a message on Instagram at Crossblade Studios via the voice messaging link on the anchor.fm profile um, via Facebook or at crossbladestudios at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. I want to know what the community thinks. The eradicators just aren't doing it for me. But that's just me. And um, finally, uh, things like the Outriders. Well, the Outriders look look really great, and it's fantastic to see that the Outriders are being supplemented. So the way that these models look on the sprue does look like they're open to all different kinds of customization. So what I want to emphasize is these guys will be monopos in the way that they're basically set out, but they're clever monopos. They're being given enough range and scope for you to do a bit with them, which I think is a far better step than what they've done with some of the previous Primaris and particularly Vanguard models. So these um, Outrider bikes will be fantastic for you know factions like the Dark Angels and the White Scars and the Raven Guard because there's so much room to just pile things on to these vehicles and to give them character. And I'm really eager to see what people can do with them. Um, I'm excited for it. I hope everybody else is. Yes, they ride a little bit too low to the ground. Yes, they look a little bit too boxy, but that's just 40k for you. And if you've ever seen, again, something like Judge Dredd or any other sci-fi um, universe, all the, all the motorbikes look like this. There isn't a single one that's um, you know really high set and really um, nimble and agile. They're all these stocky boys, so this is just exactly the same thing. Um, when we talk about expansions beyond that box set, the Invader ATV was another unit which I perhaps wasn't 100% sold on, and I know some people in the community feel the same way. The ATV, for the most part, looks fine to me. Um, I'm just a little bit reserved about how that will look um, with a multi-melter on it. Um, there are some obvious weird points about how the gunner on the back manoeuvres and how the vehicle manoeuvres um, to use the um, bolters on the front. Um, but for the most part, it's really good to see that these are uh, supplementations to things like the Outrider bikes, which again have plenty of space for things like trophies and decorations just so the factions would really you know, justify the use of bikes and ATVs and stuff like that in mass amounts can actually have that appropriately reflected and I think this is a really good start. Um, the fire strike turret, well I, I mostly like the fire strike turret. I'm not sure it's something which is better than tarantulas ever were, just because it's it's nearly it's nearly on the mark. Um, I don't understand how it deploys, I don't understand how it's used. The tech marine on it has a really weird ocular implant or tether, which I don't understand the point of, particularly because they don't have these kind of tethers on any other kind of weapon system and it just doesn't make sense from a field of view or spatial awareness perspective. Um, and in particular, if I recall correctly, he's got a tether to his backpack on the right-hand side which is connected and another one on the left-hand side which is dangling down. Like, it doesn't quite make sense as a full model. The concept itself is cool. I like the idea that there is um, Lance Talons and uh, the Accelerator Auto Cannons which can be placed into this model to give you a little bit of um, fixed defense, I guess. Um, whether or not it quite fits the Crusader narrative they're going for is another question. Um, it's, it's a nice addition. I'm, I'm not going to rush out to get it, but at the same time, I think that it's nice to see some more tech marines. <laughs> more tech marines for the Primaris is always positive, and it's great to see them there. And... Um, for all those additions to the uh, 40k line for Primaris, I'm really eager again to hear your thoughts. So if you do have anything you'd like to share in relation to that, please feel free to let me know, either via Instagram or 
via the Facebook page, which is just Slamhammer, Australian Warhammer 40k and Kill Team podcast, um, via the anchor.fm voice messaging link, or via email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com. And when it comes to uh, the Necrons, well, Necrons are just something else entirely. Uh, I knew they were pushing the sci-fi narrative, but this is really ridiculous, and uh, I think kind of reinforces my observations that these guys aren't really space zombies so much. Um, they have some small references to that kind of nature, but that's really about it. Um, the Necron Lord, it's really good to see a Necron Lord that's not carrying a resurrection orb. That responsibility looks like it's been given to someone else. It looks like he's got uh, a hyperphase glaive. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. So the hyperphase glaive, um, well, as you can probably expect, is like a uh, xenophase blade um, that the Death Watch carry. I expect it will work exactly the same way. Uh, and then he'll also have a weapon in the uh, war gear, which kind of looks something like a tachyon arrow. And uh, that's because that's exactly what it is. So um, I don't profess to know much about the tachyon arrow, um, but it looks like it's supposed to basically just delete things off the board, which is great. Um, <laughs> and again, I think you'll uh, make a big difference in games like Kill Team, where you just don't have um, the abundance of models to withstand hits from things like that. So It'll be interesting to see how that boy goes, um, both in 40k on the tabletop, but also, if he ever makes it, um, to kill team. <laughs> the Royal Warden was probably my favourite model out of the lot. Um, he's just an absolute beast, and, uh, I mean, how could you not love him? He's basically a, a real badass destroyer, uh, and has a Relic Gauss Blaster, so presumably that's going to do even more damage um, than your regular Gauss Blaster, um, and just flay the hell out of everything. Um, and look, I could see a Royal Warden being in Kill Team. I think that you know, even with his um, Super Gauss Blaster, like there's nothing overly drastic about that. It'd be nice to see something like that um, in the game. Um, and another thing, the Plasmancer, the first kind of psychic unit which we've seen for Necrons, I think. Um, interesting to see how that works because uh, we haven't seen these kind of units for Necrons before um, but it's nevertheless awesome to see some variation on the notion of what a psychic unit can be um, and for that to kind of fit neatly within um, the Necron range without it being too ridiculous. I think they've done a really good job um, with um, trying to shift uh, the Necron range so that they too can participate in um, psychic phases and then presumably also resist psychic attacks too. Um, that would be really great to see. I'm really eager to see the rules for it, and then particularly what powers it has, um, because uh, it has a plasmic lance, which is um, presumably going to be a really beastly close combat weapon, but also apparently draws on the power of like lightning, which would be really awesome to see on the tabletop too. And the fact that it has these crypto thralls um, a little bit like Fabius Biles' assistance. Like, it's cool to see these guys also playing a role as, like, um, little assistants or <laughs> bodyguards, kind of like servitors. Um, I I'm really excited to see how all these things work together. Scorpec Lord, we've already seen. Scorpec Destroyers, we've already seen. Um, but the Plasma Site, we haven't. Um, the Plasma Site is an enhancing unit. Uh, so is the Canoptech Reanimator, um, one of which uh, juices up the destroyers. The other one presumably has a role um, bolstering your Necrons against attacks or even resurrecting them. And I think that's really awesome because that is what people probably are drawn to the most about Necrons. It's that reanimation type character to them. Um, and when you look at them and they're just these absolute beastly Orwellian things, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they go too, um, because they're just sci-fi as hell, and I love them. <laughs> I'm not sure they've convinced me to buy them, um, but they're just really fearsome and intimidating, and I think whoever's designed these guys has done an absolutely fantastic job. And finally, when it comes to uh, Models Beyond, the 9th edition box, the Locust Heavy Destroyers, again, uh, just an absolutely incredible piece of work. Um, these were featured in some of Jez Goodwin's 
artwork for Necrons in around the year 2001. Um, and it's good to see these guys getting amped up a little bit. Um, Destroyers were always my favourite Necron unit, um, just because they're just these floating harbingers of doom, and uh, they now match um, that particular aesthetic so well, particularly the next iteration of the uh, uh, Locust Destroyer, which has just this even greater looking weapon on it, which they haven't explained yet. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what else happens, I, I believe what this next um, weapon for the Locust Destroyers is, is called the Adminic Exterminator. We don't know anything about it, but I'd like to know more. <laughs> Tell me more. So I'll keep my eyes out for that and bring more details on that at the relevant time. And finally, the Caltech Doomstalker. Um, yeah, another very Orwellian unit um, that you kind of spoke about uh, in the uh, episode 4 preview of all these new models like I had no idea what any of this stuff was all I could describe it as was Orwellian as hell and that's exactly what it is so it has a doomsday blaster mounted on the back of it um, and it has gas flares on the front I mean whatever the doomsday blaster is it's sure to be something artillery-ish you don't get to say dooms but doomsday in the same sentence as yeah that was okay <laughs> so it'll be really interesting to see what this new unit does particularly because it is absolutely monstrous and is supposed to do an absolutely monstrous amount of damage so hopefully its rules will reflect that we'll no doubt see that very shortly when Games Workshop releases the rules or at least discusses them in more detail so that was the uh, focus on all the new uh, previewed models for 9th edition um, I'm really eager to hear what everybody thinks about uh, these newly previewed models and particularly which ones you liked and you didn't like. Um, the 9th edition box set is not going to be a starter set and it's very likely to be expensive, <laughs> particularly for those in Australia. So it'll be interesting to see what that price uh, point comes out for. Um, do look at splitting it. Um, if you are going to split it, be sure to know what you want. I in particular want that chaplain. But what do you all like? Is there any model which you absolutely and dearly want? Is there any that you don't really want? Be sure to let us know uh, via the anchor.fm voice messaging link. And you can also tell us via email at crossbladestudios at gmail.com, via Instagram at crossbladestudios and on our Facebook page, Slamhammer, an Australian Warhammer 40k and Kill Team podcast. That was all I wanted to share today. Uh, it's been an absolutely mad week in so many different respects and I really appreciate your continued patronage of the podcast. Um, do stay tuned for a new episode probably within the next week or two. Um, we're going to start our interview series and I've got some really fantastic stuff lined up. Um, in the meantime, as I was saying at the start of the episode, make sure to jump onto the Facebook page and drop a like, say hi. Um, do stay in touch and be sure to share your love uh, for everything 9th edition or even everything outside 9th edition. Um, I look forward to hearing all about it and I look forward to speaking to you again in the next episode. Have a great one, guys.